This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom. Righteously American. Hello. Welcome. So we have a lot of news to cover today. We are going to be really kind of digging into a few things. Um, I want to start off with the fact that we're going to be going on a hiatus because I have some things that I need to get done that I've been procrastinating about and I have to get them done in order for us to make an announcement in October. So, um, we're going to, I'll have more for you on that, but I want to just make sure that people understand this. Uh, I'm obviously not going away permanently, but definitely having um, some things that have to get done in order for me to make this announcement. And the announcement actually goes live October 7th through 9th. We're going to be having a big event and announcing it then. Um, but what we'll do is... You'll still be able to kind of catch up with me with what's going on on StacyOnTheRight.com. Um, you'll be able to see some things there. You'll be able to, you know, there'll still be some content out there. But for the most part, when I'm speaking directly of being here on the show every day at the live stream, that's so basically think of it as a vacation. Only instead of being off at the beach someplace, I'm going to be here working to make sure that when our new announcement goes live, I'm prepared and I need to have some time to do that. Um, so today on the show, we're going to dig into, I said I would give you an update on the Bible study that I've been doing, which is, um, oh, it has just been fantastic. Today was our second meeting. So I'm going to give you an update on that. And then we're going to rip through some news. I actually have um, an article up over at WND.com. And I love that website. The piece that I have up is actually about the space program that President Trump is running through. So I'm going to start right here with that and the changes that Democrats want to make to this program. And then we're going to kind of run through a few other things that we have going on, um, on the, sh- on news wise, uh, we'll be getting to a bunch of different stuff today. But let's start off with this article. Um, I wrote this piece about the Trump Space Command and how it's set for liftoff. So uh, I'm warning of Democrats making changes to the Air Force missile program. And this is really, really important stuff. And you might be thinking, space program? Like, don't we have bigger fish to fry? Well, of course we do. We always have things that we're getting to. Um, and there's always a lot of news. Like that. that is the new normal is lots and lots of news, lots and lots of different things that have to be gone over. So on August 29th, the Trump administration's Department of Defense launched Space Command. It's the newest branch of America's military, and it's a critical step forward towards the creation of a space force. It's a substantial win for President Trump. And that that's the part that I want to kind of just highlight it, trumpet it. President Trump is winning on this issue, and I'm excited. Um, he actually secured bipartisan support for this once scoffed at initiative. Remember when he mentioned it? A year and a half ago, he said, we're going to have a space force and everybody was making fun of him on Twitter and everything else. Well, hmm, yeah, it happened. So now what? Who's laughing now? So this is all placed under the direction of Air Force General John Raymond, Space Command or Spacecom. And it covers a variety of space related national security operations, including missile warnings, satellite operations and space control. Spacecom is going to serve as both a launch pad for the Space Force military branch and as a command hub for the nation's leading space operations. Now, the president may have received the green light from the Pentagon to create a new warfare command, but he hasn't fully succeeded yet because he has to first convince Congress to provide the Air Force with the rockets and tools that it needs on a timeline that works for them to fend off our adversaries. Now, so far, he's not been able to do this. And, and the reason this is so difficult is because Washington moves at a snail's pace and because they don't want to cooperate with him because his name is Trump and because we really as Americans have gotten into a really bad rut of 
giving our enemies the opportunity, sometimes even the raw materials with which to overthrow us, exert command and control over us, best us, what have you. It just seems to be a thing we're in. It's like a, a really bad uh, abusive relationship where one person keeps providing the other person with the tools they need to abuse them. <laughs> okay. So um, we are made reliant, completely reliant on foreign made rocket parts right now. Um, and the foreign made rocket parts that we rely on are actually manufactured in countries that are challenging us military, militarily in space and in other areas. It actually is a situation that sets us up for ultimate failure. Now, the Air Force's Hallmark Space Program, known as the National Security Space Launch System, seeks to change this by creating a standalone domestically made rockets. However, this is a misguided effort to increase competition um, by the House of Representatives. They're standing in the way of this. Okay, so first off, if we change the current lay of the land, by making our rockets domestically, it's another way for us to increase not only jobs in the United States, but to keep the hardware and software and technology associated with the rockets in our own wheelhouse so that we can control the dissemination of the information and ultimately make leaps and bounds without our adversaries knowing every which way we're going. Because we wouldn't have to rely on them for the rockets or the parts, right? So we're innovators in every one of these areas. So why not do it ourselves? This is another case of the president coming in with fresh eyes. He sees a situation and he says, um, this isn't, this is not the best situation for us. This situation actually benefits our adversaries. So here, here's, here's what they're wanting to do. Um, the Air Force has a space program that it's a hallmark space program, and it's known as the National Security Space Launch System, NSSL. And they want to make all of the rockets here in America. Democrats last month passed a version of America's annual defense budget, the National Defense Authorization Act, that would completely restructure the Air Force's NSSL program. And it would force the Air Force to reopen the bidding process for domestic launch contracts after a given period. So instead of allowing the Air Force to merely select the very best aerospace contractors and secure our national defense that way, the NDAA would mandate that the program work with even more providers than it is already working with. And I can tell you, sounds to me like, smells to me like that there's a bunch of different people in Congress who are currently getting donor dollars from foreign entities who want to have a slice of the American rocket pie. They want to be in the rocket manufacturing business for America. Not only does it give them a foot in the door so they can learn about what we're doing and keep an eye on us, but it enables them to put their technology in our rockets, which just think about it. What's better than beating America militarily from outside of the country? Embedding any kind of software, technology, malware, subversive content, whatever you want. How about you just put it into the actual systems yourself? Oh, okay. Is that what you think? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like a great idea for them, right? So according to the Air Force itself, the re, the reconfiguration time and potential for error caused by these changes would significantly delay the program and the availability of domestic made rockets. It would weaken America's security in space, increase our reliance on adversary technology, and empower rogue nations at the U.S.'s expense. Now, the White House may be inclined to disparage the left's behavior, but instead of doing that, we need to find common ground. Now, it, that depends on the Democrats being willing to do so, but the, the, the aim and the goal should be to get them to the table. Now, you're probably thinking the same thing I was thinking when I was writing this. Look, Russia... And Russian influence are all the Democrats have been able to talk about for the past two and a half years. So why would they want to give the Russians an opportunity to get a toehold in on what we're doing? Well, I don't know why they would want to do that. If we could get them to back the Air Force's version of NSSL, it would strip away Russia's ability to influence the United States. We have been dependent upon Russian made engines for over two decades 
And during that time, Russia has only increased their aggression, aggression towards us, pardon me, their aggression towards us. So recently, Russia was once again caught testing their nuclear capabilities. According to the Pentagon, they're moving forward with their plans to develop military hardware, including laser weapons and anti-satellite missiles designed specifically to limit America's capabilities in space. For all these reasons, there's already a congressionally mandated date on the books to cease purchase of these Russian-made parts. However, the Democrats' NDAA changes force the Air Force to go out purchasing these parts past the deadline. If the Democrats are given their way, we will become even more reliant on Russia. And the answer to that is to make the Democrats aware that the changes that they're seeking, that's the the effect, whether they're intending that or not. And I actually don't care what they're intending. Do you? Like, it seems like anything they touch, any idea they have is always ends up being subversive to America. So the Trump administration should also make it clear publicly that it's really important for us to move forward with the Air Force's version of the NSSL to prevent the rise of other authoritarian regimes around the globe. For example, China, ding, 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 you hear the flashing red light? That's important. To prevent them from rising up and participating in this subversion. According to the Defense Intelligence Agency, China views space as critical to modern warfare. The Chinese regime is actively looking to exploit advances in spacefaring technology to weaken America's military effectiveness. Experts have already said we're 40 years behind China in the space race. Even if the Democrats' changes delay the introduction of U.S.-made rockets by just two years, military leaders know all too well how quickly China can make progress in merely 24 months. Make no mistake, China poses the imminent threat to the freedoms enjoyed in the United States, and that's a reality that the Democrats need to stop dancing around and begin to understand. Now, I continue to give the president credit where it's due. He said he would create Spacecom, and he did. But it means nothing without the Air Force's version of NSSL. The Navy can't do its job without ships. And America's space program cannot function without reliable, effective, domestically produced rockets. To ensure the future success of the United States spacefaring endeavors, our nation must prioritize the successful and timely development of American-made rockets. Our space program is prepped and ready for liftoff. Now it's up to all Americans, Republicans, and Democrats alike to ensure it doesn't stall on the launch pad. So, you can get this story over at WND.com. I'll actually post it on the Facebook page so you can find it. And what I'm hoping you'll do is share it. Read it, share it. That's what I'm going to put here. Read it, share it, okay? And um, if you do that, uh, we'll be forever indebted to you and grateful to you. Um, so for people, I'm hoping that people are now beginning to receive, we had a little bit of Stacy on the Right Show swag left over from the old place, stuff that I'd purchased to do giveaways at the old place that never actually came to fruition. So if you are one of those people who sent us something to our mailing address, um, I sent you something back. So be looking in your mailbox for that. It should be, you should be getting something maybe by the end of this week, those things will be uh, available um, in your mailboxes. Check them out. And then if you're are a part of our Patreon community and you want swag, you have to give me your address. And don't worry, I won't sell it to like telemarketers. I will just mail you some Stacy on the Rancho swag and you don't know what you're going to get. It might be a mouse pad. It might be a tiny little um, coaster that looks like a mouse pad, but it's a coaster. Um, it might be one of the prayer keys that I actually, I'm kind of crafty, so I make these little prayer keys. Um, or... I mean, if you're really, we have a couple of people who are in there, they're, they're giving to the utmost to their highest. Um, you might even see one of the heritage mugs. I don't have many of those left, but if I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice, uh, for you, that's what we're doing here. Um, so that, that's, that's all what we have going on there. Um, when we get back, we're going to be delving into the Bible study that I was talking about, um, freedom in Christ. I want to share a little bit of information from that Bible study with you, and then we're going to get into some news. Uh, the Democrats are set to do a big debate tonight, and 
it's going to be Warren and Sanders and Biden, and it should be popcorn worthy. I don't know about you, but I'm probably going to be sitting up with some friends um, live tweeting it. It's going to be pretty fun. So, all right, let's go to the break. When we get back, we'll have more show. Stay right there. My mother was always very active and independent and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was... Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone who... Had to be independent and take initiative. And that's how I handle every project I get. Discover new ways to develop great talent at gradsoflife.org. Brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? Or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. <coughs> when I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is Mommy's Jam! then surely you'll check nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. So much that I could say, but I'm going to stick with what we got going on for the show today. Um, and I want to point you guys over to StaceyOnTheRight.com. Share the stories that you see there. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to um, anyone who um, is kind of just trying to locate the show. And if you're just now tuning into the podcast because maybe you weren't utterly clear that we're no longer over at the old place and we're now doing a show here and all that. And maybe you're just now, you know, kind of coming to that realization. Um, welcome. Thank you for being here. I'm glad you found us and you were able to locate us. And I'm looking forward to having you here and, and doing more cool stuff. Um, so tonight, the Democrats, they're going to have a debate. And apparently, this is kind of pivotal because this is the first 
part where they, they've kind of called down some of the candidates and everyone's not going to be there. Now, I want to make a note before we kind of look completely into this. Uh, Marianne Williamson has actually, she's on the record as saying that conservatives have been nicer to her than Democrats have. And she's really surprised by that because she thought the Democrats were the nice ones and the Republicans were the mean ones. And all she had to do was just come out with her talk about love and understanding and everyone was going to hear that. And they were going to, um, they were going to, they were going to understand her. They were going to, they were going to love her. And instead she came out and she talked about love and they've got their knives out for her. They've slandered her. They've treated her like a garden variety Republican, even though she's a Democrat, because they don't want her around. They don't want her siphoning votes off of their chosen candidates. And she's not a politician and she's not aware of how things work. She doesn't know how they put stuff down in the Democratic hierarchy. So you buy into their way, you drink the Kool-Aid, and then you get your marching orders and you do what you're told. And she hadn't gotten the memo. And so they, they have to learn her a couple things, if you know what I'm saying. So she's been pretty unhappy about that. And I, I'm, I mean, did I laugh? I don't think I laughed, but I felt like there was a bit of comical something, something coming on. Like it was, a, it was kind of funny the way she was wailing and complaining about way that, the way she was being treated. So despite the miles traveled, the tens of millions of dollars raised, the ceaseless churn of policy papers, uh, the Democratic primary has been actually at a standstill. It's like a stick in mud. It's just been sitting there looking horrible and smelling bad. Uh, Joe Biden has been leading in the polls the whole time. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are actually fighting each other to be the progressive alternative. And that whole stability, all of that, that kind of stick in the mud nature of things is what is about to change tonight, possibly. All of the top presidential candidates will share a debate stage. And it's going to make it more difficult for Elizabeth Warren, in my opinion, because she was only able to shine on the stages she was on because she was kind of in a sea of nobodies. So it was obvious that she was the one who had the political prowess and she could make light work of them because of that. Now she's going to be on the stage with everybody else. Everyone's going to be together. Um, the ones who are left who actually have some poll numbers worth looking at. And so she's going to have to come with more than just her uh, typical policy talking points. So this debate is in Houston, and it comes at a pretty interesting point in the year because school's back in session. Parents no longer have kids to entertain for hours on end during the day and in the evening. People are actually returning to their normal routines, which means regular Americans who spent the whole summer trying to unplug and enjoy themselves, whether it was, you know, some vacation, a little vacation, a lot of vacation, whatever, they doing stuff with the kids and enjoying the weather and maybe indulging in some ice cream. They're now kind of putting all of that behind them and settling in for the school year. And they're taking a hard look at who's actually running on the Democratic side. And what are those people who are running actually saying about things? So if you're not a complete news junkie, you're not in the business, the news business, the, the political arena business, then you probably don't even have a good impression of each of the candidates. I mean, sure, you know who Bernie Sanders is. Sure, you know who Elizabeth Warren is. But you're not as familiar with Kamala Harris. You maybe only know Cory Booker from his Spartacus moment, or you may have missed that in its entirety. So you're looking around and you're seeing a lot of people that you're like, who, uh, what? These are who's running. So now you're going to see, all of us will see, Moderates and Democrats taking their hard first legitimate look at these people and they're going to have their normal reactions. Some people are going to be utterly disgusted by the policy positions these people have taken because they've been able to be utterly liberal right now with no accountability, but that's about to end. So this is the first debate that's combined, combined to one <laughs> confined, pardon me. This is the first debate that's confined to just one evening. It's not going to be a two-day marathon. Several candidates have dropped out. Others fail to meet the new qualification standards. Voters and viewers will see the diversity of the modern Democratic Party. The debate is actually held on the campus of historically black Texas Southern University. Several women will be there. People of color will be there. Uh, you know, Mayor Pete, who's an openly gay evangelical Christian, as if that's a thing. So basically, he's a unicorn. He'll be there. And 
In this piece over at AP News, they make sure to highlight that the Republicans are increasingly white and male. I want to adjust that for you. When And this this is what you should use whenever someone says to you, well, the Republicans are all white and male. The Republicans are well qualified. That's how you respond. The Republicans are well qualified. What are the qualifications of the Democrats who are running? Turn it around on them. Never allow anyone to define the people who are running on the right side of the political aisle by simply their skin color and whether or not their X or Y chromosome. We actually look at the qualifications of an individual. I would prefer to have a white male president over a black man or black woman or gay white guy. Why? Because I know if he's a Republican nominee, he's been through the gauntlet and he has qualifications that have helped him to rise to the top. He knows his way around a chart and a graph. He actually understands statistics and data, and he's looking to make America successful. Oh, and then there's that whole, you know, religious freedom, Second Amendment, pro-life, you know, all that stuff as well. I mean, those are those are core bedrock issues, but it's like a bonus buffet over with Republicans on the right side of the aisle. With the left, if the only qualifications you need to have are that you have a permanent tan or that you are a homosexual or that you're a woman, well, I've met plenty of beautiful black women who were not competent. I've met plenty of beautiful black women who were extraordinarily qualified and able to do their their work. So just because someone is black and a woman doesn't mean they are either qualified or unqualified. In fact, it's actually the height of racism to define someone by their simplest, easily identified characteristics, because the assumption there is that everyone is the same. Every black woman is not the same. Every white man is not the same there. Look at. You got Francis Beto O'Rourke, who is completely incompetent. Bernie Sanders, white guy, completely incompetent. You have Donald Trump, businessman, completely competent. All white guys. Do you see? So if you can have a range of uh, qualifications, capabilities, skill sets, ideas, uh, ability, knowledge base from white guys, then we certainly can have those from black women. Kamala Harris, she's not qualified. It's not because she thinks she's black, but she's really, you know, a kind of a hybrid Indian, Dominican, Jamaican woman. It's because she actually doesn't understand the correlation between crime, crime statistics and enforcement. She doesn't understand national sovereignty. She doesn't think the border is an issue. She doesn't understand the innate value of human life from conception to natural death. She has a lot of problems, areas where she is completely unqualified to be the president of the United States. It's not because she sports a tan of some sort. It's because she's unqualified. Now, Warren is going to be jousting for the first time with Biden. And A lot of these campaigns have sent some kind of mixed messages about whether or not they're ready to actually joust with President Trump. And I think if they're confused, it's with good reason because he's going to make mincemeat of them. He's going to have a really fun time batting them around the way cats do, the way they play with their food before they eat it. That's what he's going to be able to do with them because they're looking at demographics and how they can parlay people's characteristics into votes where he's going to be talking about results and things that he's been able to accomplish. So um, some of them are going to really take out attack like Kamala Harris, Mayor Pete. They're going to try to reclaim some lost momentum by reemphasizing their own visions for America and their visions for America are rooted in demographic, you know, you're this, you're that you basically making people look at themselves as different from the larger group of Americans, not as a part of the larger group of Americans, but as someone that they're outside of that group, marginalized and in need of a political candidate to come in and radically change everything that's going on. Um, Warren says and has said many times that she has no interest in actually attacking other Democratic opponents She actually doesn't mention Biden at all in her standard campaign pitch. She makes the plea that the time for small ideas is over. 
which is a criticism that she makes often of moderate Democrats who want a public option health care plan instead of abolishing everybody's health care and making single payer the rule of the day. She also wants to, um, in addition to repealing the 2017 tax cuts, she wants to raise taxes further than President Obama did. And these are serious things that not only will damage the economy, but will damage the economic livelihoods of Americans across the country. And there's make no mistake about it. We have to be against these things. But she's very clear about her support of these things. Now, Karen Finney, who advised Hillary Clinton in 2016, has noted that Biden's consistent polling advantages on the question of which Democrat can beat Donald Trump. um, Actually, that's his strong suit. People like him, people who are Democrats, like Biden, it's not a love of Biden so much as it is a confidence that he is the one out of their entire bevy of people who could beat President Trump. They think they see him as the antidote to Trump. He's nice where President Trump is mean. He's crazy Uncle Joe where President Trump is, you know, they they think of him as being all of these really negative, false ideas that are trumpeted every night on CNN. They've bought into that. And so they think that Biden is the antidote to that. And, and, and he's not. So there's actually a poll out, a Washington Post ABC poll this week that found among Democrats and Democratic leaning voters, Biden garnered 29% of support overall. 45% thought he had the best chance to beat Trump, even though just 24% identified him as the best president for the country. So it's about winning. It's not that they think Biden is good for America. It's that they think he can beat Donald Trump. And this gives us a peek into the minds of these people. They would rather have a president who's bad for America as long as he could beat Donald Trump. Now, mind you, all of the candidates that they're running are bad for America, but they think whichever of their candidates that can beat Donald Trump, that actual facet is more important than finding someone who'd be good for America who can also beat Donald Trump. Now, that's a whole show we could do right there on um we could just literally sit and talk about what kind of pathos is going on there where you would say as an American, I want to vote for someone to beat Donald Trump, not because they're good for America, but because they can beat Donald Trump. I mean, do you, that's a brand of crazy. I can't even begin to understand. So uh, voters want to see presidential candidates tonight. Um, they want to see the candidates make their case. They want to make a connection between their perceived idea of President Trump being full of hate and division and this idea that nothing is getting done for America. Now, Mayor Pete is actually going to use his, we need generational change. He's going to use that whole shtick um, to make an indirect attack on the top tier because he's 37 years old and Biden, Sanders, and Warren are 76, 78, and 70. Wow. Um, so Biden, Sanders, and Warren are all in the same age range as President Trump. In fact, President Trump is actually pretty young. I mean, Sanders is 78, President Trump is 73. Biden is 76, Trump 73. Wow. So there's also home state drama with two Texans in the race. Of course, um, Julian Castro and and Francis O'Rourke had clashed in an earlier debate over immigration, and Castro wants to decriminalize border crossings. And of course, for Francis O'Rourke, it's going to be the first debate since the El Paso mass shooting. So it's an interesting it's an interesting dichotomy there. Um, I what what I would love to see tonight is that the moderators would ask these people about what it is that they plan to do about these hard entrenched issues that we have. And instead of allowing them to use talking points or pivot to insults about President Trump, force the issue, filibuster them and make them answer, um, you know, on, on you say you want to repeal the tax cuts that will result in a contraction in the economy. How do you plan to handle an economic contraction that could possibly toss the country into a recession recession? How do you explain to America's voters the fact that you want to take away the money that they're now receiving in their paychecks that belongs to them. You want to take that money away and give it to a government that wastes money to redistribute it to illegal aliens and people who don't work. I mean, I can think of a ton of different questions that they should be asking tonight 
and making the answer. In other words, instead of letting them say whatever they want, keep directing them back to the question that was asked and force them to answer the question that's being asked. If they're unable to do that or unwilling to do that, it puts me in the mind of, of, you know, what is the point of these debates? Why would any of us care to keep watching them? We need better questions and answers. All right. When we get back, I have something awesome to share with you. Oh, such good content. I'm, you're going to love this. So stay right there. from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that our daughters have what they need to grow and learn. But that isn't the case for nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. that struggle with hunger. Childhood hunger is a heartbreaking reality that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and provides it to families and children in need. You can help kids in need in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. First, I hold my hands out like they're on a steering wheel. Then I look over my shoulder. One. Okay, cool guy. Two. Three times. Next. Oh, I put it in reverse. Meep, meep, meep. Then I take it up and down. Up, up, and down. And that, kiddos, is called the forklift. Dance like a dad. It's a great way to make a moment with your kids. Now that's dancing. Sure beats flossing. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hi, everyone. Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that after 75 years, Smokey's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. Like when it's dry or windy. Be careful burning yard waste because wildfires can even start in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Spacey on the Right. All right. Welcome back to the show. So, uh, I mentioned to you that we have this fantastic Bible study that's going on at our church. And it has been, it's not new. They do it um, every year. They do it in the fall and in the spring. And I've just, this is my first time taking it. And I happen to be in a group with a bunch of women that um, two of them are new to me and everybody else I know already from other Bible studies. So that's really wonderful. Um, and, and what I'm, first of all, the whole premise is that we are saints, right? Have you, have you ever had someone talk to you about, um, being a Christian or their Christian walk, and they'll say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's true. I'm not disputing that. But that is basically a statement of how we got to where we are. And once we've been saved by grace, once we've accepted Jesus Christ, we are then saints. And so this Bible study seeks to help 
Christians understand who they are in Christ and to give us a clear way to define our identity. After we basically, you accept Jesus, you accept that the Bible is true, it's the word of God, it's the inspired word of God, and that what it says inside is, it's our truth, okay? It's the truth, but it's our truth. We own that truth. God's message to us, the Bible, the most read book in the history of mankind, the number one on the bestseller list year after year after year, it is our truth. Well, then we have to say to ourselves, what is my identity? So Dr. Neil T. Anderson wrote this book called Who I Am in Christ, and it is the basis for the Freedom in Christ Bible study. And I encourage you, if you if, if anything I'm sharing with you sounds interesting, you're not here by accident. You're not hearing me by accident. You might want this book. Um, you can get the Freedom in Christ book. And I'll show you guys again. What I did today was after Bible study, I drove over to FedEx and I dropped my book off to have it spiral bound. And this is so cool. I'm, I'm looking all over my desk right now for, okay, just let's use this book as an example. Let's say you have a book and you're using it for Bible study. When you open it up, as most books are, you can't leave it open on the table. What happens is the book will close or, you know, flop over. Well, if you have it spiral bound, it makes it really easy to turn from page to page and you can add add tabs to it so that you can find uh, whatever you're looking for, right? So I dropped it off to have that done. What they do is they cut the spine off of it. They spiral bind it for you. And then you can add tabs. And when you're having them do that, you can have them add in little sheets of paper so that you have notes, paper to take notes on as you go through the book. And it costs $2 for the spiralizing and another, you know, couple bucks if you decide you want to add pages, you have to pay them for the paper or take your own, whatever. Um, so that's what I was having done. So I don't have the book with me to show you again, but I did show it a couple of days. If you go to the YouTube page, you can see it if you want to see what it looks like. So um, Neil T. Anderson said, and understand Understanding your identity in Christ is absolutely essential for your success at living a victorious Christian life. So here are some of the lies that Satan puts forward to us that we as Christians accept because we don't say to ourselves, like for me, instead of accepting Satan's lie, I'm a sinner because I sin. I have to say what God says about me, which is my truth. I am a saint, one declared righteous by God who sins. So I can't escape my sin nature completely. I will continue to fall and have to get back up and repent and become closer to God and be changed every day in my relationship with him so that over time I'm sinning less and less, right? That's that's what we're we're supposed to be doing. This isn't something that's going to give you the license to sin with with, you know, with with no repercussions. This doesn't put you in the mindset that you just get to run around and do whatever you want. You don't have to grow in Christ. It's the opposite. Another of Satan's lies, your identity comes from what you've done. So if you have ever shoplifted, you're a shoplifter. You're not a child of God. You're a shoplifter. If you've ever lied, you're a liar. If you've cheated or, or um, you know, stolen, you're a thief, you're a fornicator. Well, those may have been things that you did, but they are not your identity in Christ because once you accept him, you are washed clean. Your sins are forgiven because you've repented, right? And The truth is your identity comes from what God has done for you. What did God do for us? Well, he sent his son, Jesus, who died on the cross, who saved us from the debt of our sin. We we should be punished for our sins, but instead they're under the blood. Jesus paid the sin debt for us on the cross. Another Satan's lies. Your identity comes from what people say about you. Well, I'm going to tell you today what people are saying about me around these parts is that I got fired from my job at FM News Talk 97.1. So I guess I'm just someone who gets fired a lot. Um, you know, I all kinds of lies. Just this whole week, I, I, I know I'm under attack because all week long, it's been nothing but disappointment when it comes to hearing what people have been saying about me. And why am I hearing about it? Because, you know, you, you really don't care what people are saying about you until some well-meaning person comes and tells you, oh, I heard you were so-and-so. I've been hearing bad things about where we live, you know, I mean, just unbelievable. And I think to myself, well, I mean, aren't y'all kind of busy? Why, why does everybody seem to this week have time to talk about me? Well, I don't know. But I refuse to accept what people are saying about me behind my back, letting it become known to me in my face, because God says something else. He says, my identity comes from what God says about me. 
Satan says your behavior tells you what to believe about yourself. I eat too much. Therefore, my behavior as an overeater tells me that I'm a sinner and God doesn't want to have anything to do with me. God's truth says your belief about yourself determines your behavior. If I believe I'm an overeater, I'll be an overeater. If I believe that God has given me not a spirit of fear, but of peace, love, and a sound mind, and that he has given me the mind of Christ, and that ultimately I can have self-control little by little, step by step, by relying on him and taking every thought captive and giving it to him, then no, I'm not an overeater. You see what I'm saying? You see how this is working out? So let's talk about who I am in Christ. We talked about Satan's lies and God's truth. Who I am in Christ. Well, these are all scriptures. And let me see. Yeah, you can go to freedominchrist.com and find this and also ficm.org. So you're able to find this little resource. But they gave us to these. They gave these to us in Bible study. I am accepted. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord, one spirit. I am bought with the price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. I have been adopted as God's child. I have access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven. I am complete in Christ. I am secure. I am free forever from condemnation. And just for example, these are not things that people have made up This isn't something that you're saying about yourself because you want to increase your, quote, self-esteem. No, this is what God says about you. He's not a man that he should lie. He never changes. He is unable to do anything that goes against what his word says because his word is the truth and it doesn't change and it goes forth and accomplishes what it was set out to do. So that means if you say you were fired, I say I am secure. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says, I am free forever from condemnation. I am secure. Romans 8, 28 says, I am assured all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. So you say I'm fired. I say to you, I am secure. Romans 8, 31 through 34 says, I am free from any charge against me, which includes your negativity. You say, oh, you're doing X, Y, and Z, or I don't like this about you, blah, 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 blah. I say I am secure. Romans eight thirty five through 39 says, I cannot be separated from the love of God. I am established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am confident that the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I can find grace and mercy in time of need. I am born of God. The evil one cannot touch me. I am significant. I'm not making this stuff up, people. This isn't me only talking about Stacey Washington. This is what God says about every one of you. If you've accepted his son, Jesus, and you have turned away from your sin, you've repented and asked him to come and live in your heart and you live for him now, then these are the things God says about you. So the person who's coming to you with these condemnations, or maybe they're a coward, And they're sending their condemnation to you in a roundabout way. They're directing it to you. They're whispering it in some other person's ear so that person can whisper it so it can make its way back to you. And when it gets to you, instead of accepting what they've said about you, you put your hand up and you say, excuse me, I have my behavior determined by what I believe. And what I believe is what God's word says about me. He says that we are significant. Matthew 5, 13 through 14 says, I am the salt and light of the earth. John 15, 1 and 5 says, I am a branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. John 15, 16 says, I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. Acts 1, 8 says, I am a personal witness of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 says, I am God's temple. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 says, I am a minister of reconciliation for God. 2 Corinthians 6.1 says, I am God's co-worker. Ephesians 2.6 says, I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 2.10, I am God's workmanship. Ephesians 3.12, I may approach God with freedom and confidence. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if we're going to strengthen ourselves, we're not going to have any strength. The strength that comes from man runs out, but the strength that comes from Jesus Christ never runs out. It stands in the face of criticism, of gossip, of slander, of lies, of slings, of arrows. It stands in the face of what any man may try to do to you. 
If you know who you are in Christ, those things may, they may hit you. They may leave a mark. They may leave a dent. They may cut. It cuts when you hear people have been all up in your business behind your back instead of just calling you up and saying, Hey, I heard that things were like not quite right. Sorry about that. You want to talk? Or hey, you want to go to coffee? Or hey, you know, haven't caught up with you in a while. I mean, if you want to get the gossip, go straight to the person you're trying to get it from and get it directly from them. How about that? But no, that's not how people behave. They're going to people is what they're going to do. People are going to people. They're going to disappoint you. They're going to lay you out. They're going to eat you for lunch. They're going to enjoy your downfall. They're going to think that, well, she must not have really been a Christian because otherwise, why would that happen to her? She must have done something wrong to deserve whatever that is that's happening to her. Well, I never liked her anyway because she always thought XX or she did Y or she said this to me or whatever thing they got going on, the reason they don't like you. And what you have to say to that, whether it's people and gossip or work situations or marriage situations or situations with the kids, whether it's financial, a car that continually breaks down and will not work, whatever the problem is, the answer is, who am I in Christ? Who does Christ say I am? Because if you want to be able to weather it, if you weather it in Christ, what does he say about himself for us? He says he is our high tower, our fortress, that we can find shelter underneath his wings, that the glory of the Lord will be our rear guard, that he goes before us to prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies, that he is our provider. He is our defender. He's the lover of our soul. He numbers our tears. He numbers the hair on our head. He writes our name in the palm of his hand. He rejoices over us with singing and so much more. So if he could say all of those things about us and he means it and he's not a man, he can't lie. If those are our truths, then what can any man do to you? I used to say on the radio, I fear no man. Doesn't mean I'm never afraid. It means ultimately I understand that God is in control. And I renew that statement. And I say to the critics and everyone else, who are you in Christ? I'm really not going to continue to be worried about what you said about me. My higher concern for you is who do you think you are in Christ? Do you know who you are in Christ? Has anyone ever told you? And if you don't know, do you want to know? Do you want to have the assurance that comes from knowing that all of the things I just said on this, that they're true, they're true about you? Well, you can do that by coming to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And here's the cake taker. You've got everlasting life whether you come to know Jesus or not. Everlasting mean you are a spirit. You have a soul. You dwell in a body. And that spirit will live forever. You'll either live with Jesus Christ in eternity or you'll live eternally separated from him in eternity. So accept him. And then what I shared will be the truth about you. God's word is true. It doesn't lie. God bless. And I'll be back with you in October.